the Michael Balco Show is proudly sponsored by Donato's Pizza. Donato's prides themselves on ensuring that every piece of the pizza is important and that they have something for everyone. Donato's should be your top spot for game days, just like they are mine. Check out their website at www.donatos.com for more information. What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Michael Balco Show. You already know who the host is. It's me, Mike Balco. Nothing new, but what is new is my guest today. Today, I'm joined by a very special guest, native of Puyallup, Washington. Where are your boys from? Not from Puyallup, but from Washington, so it's cool. It's cool. Uh, former Oregon State catcher, go Beavs, and now a retired, a now retired second-round pick by the Cleveland Indians, Logan Ice. It's been a long time, my man. How are we doing today? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. I'm uh, just hanging out, having a nice long weekend. Um, nice long weekend, little Memorial Day. So uh, shout out to all the, the veterans and, and whatnot this weekend. So, um, yeah, just a pleasure to have, uh, have me on, and I'm, I'm happy to be on. Awesome, man. I'm so happy to have you on, too. But, you know, first and foremost, we have to wrap that area code. Tell us about your hometown and what makes it so unique. Hmm. Well, I'm not going to lie to you. Puyallup, Washington. Um, well, I guess it's changed. So Puyallup, Washington used to be kind of a, uh, I wouldn't say rural, um, but it was it wasn't developed. Um uh, so Puyallup was was cool. It was uh, it was kind of like uh, uh, yeah. I mean, it was kind of it, it wasn't a small town, but it kind of had a small town feel. Like I remember moving into um, my parents' old house um, in Puyallup, and it was like a couple houses in there that were developed, and we could just roam the neighborhood, and it didn't matter, and um, streets weren't busy and whatnot. So that's what I remember it. That's how I. Remember Remember Puyallup? Unfortunately, um, it's kind of gone down, you know, for the worse. Um, they've developed it, put a ton of apartments in it. It's busier than all get out. So I try to not remember that. But Puyallup, I mean, for all my memories, as I was growing up, it was it was a cool place where all my um, all my buddies could. I mean, we could just bum around and do some fun things. So um, yeah, Puyallup. It's not great now. I wouldn't recommend going there now. But when how was there it was good awesome awesome one of the things you used to do back at Puyallup was was hit that baseball my boy so what was your high school baseball experience like as a whole um and then what kind of led you to take your talents to Oregon State yeah um high school baseball is interesting I had um shoot how many I had one I want to say I had three head coaches in four years at at in high school. So it was kind of a, it was kind of a hamster wheel for coaches. Um, we had a, we had a older coach who I started with and he was kind of on his way out. 
Um, and then we had some other guys who came in and it just, I don't think it was the right fit for them. And it was kind of a, I don't know, it was tough. So high school baseball was a blast because all my buddies were on the team and um, we were actually really good. I had, um, I want to say we had one, we probably had some of my years, four or five division one commits um, along with a couple other junior college commits. Um I think a D three, a D two commit. So we, we were good. We we always we always were really competitive in the league. Pulp High School is always the the rival and, and was really, really good. They they continue to be good. Mark Weiss does a really, really good job over there at Pulp and developing players and having really good teams. We always put up a really good fight, if not beat them. Um we just could never put together a state run. We we would kind of make a push and then we just usually ran out of pitching. All of our players were all of our better players, I guess, were position players. So we could hit, but we just never had any pitching or depth in pitching to kind of make a run in the state playoffs. So um, my high school experience was awesome. I mean, you get to play with your buddies and you develop those relationships. I played with them, and then we go hang out after the game. So high school baseball is great. Um, memories were great. Um, then going to Oregon State, um, it really just was a fit. I mean, I had other offers and whatnot, but the fit was – it just felt when I went and when I saw the place, uh, when I watched them play, when I met the coaching staff, it was a place that I felt like I could develop as a person, um, first and foremost. Um, but at the same time, I felt like I had a great opportunity to play. I think that's where a lot of players miss. Um, their competitive nature takes over, and they think they can just beat everybody out, and they just don't really get how – it, it necessarily works. Maybe seniority. It may be um, coaches trusting the player just because they've been there. Um, so it's it's you really have to feel out and feel wanted by by a school um, to to think that you're going to be able to come in and play early and, and play right away to be able to make an impact um, for that the, the university. Um, and so I thought I, I thought I could do that. Um, and I there wasn't a lot of depth at the catcher spot at Oregon State. Um, and with that being said, I was like, oh, that's a great opportunity. And obviously they showed interest in me and they, they you know, they really, really were wanting me per se um, or what it felt like. And so um, that's what led me there. Um, and then, you know, the rest is history. It was, it was a really, really good time there and I loved every minute of it. Awesome. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, like I said, like you just kind of mentioned, you know, you played really well at Oregon State. Uh, you earned several honors, including Pac-12 Defensive Player of the Year, finalist of the Johnny Bench Award, which goes to the best catcher, obviously. And then you were named to the Pac-12 Conference's first team. Um, so how big of a transition was it from like, you know, high school ball where you were playing at a very high level in high school too, to that college level where you were also just dominating so just kind of tell us about that transition from high school to college a little bit yeah no it was I mean the the game just picks up the games the game's cleaner um I think there's the depth of the the lineup the depth of the pitching um obviously the pitching improves but I mean we we face guys like 12 high school is really good uh, Emerald Ridge was really good those are the two local high schools I mean we had Emerald Ridge had a, a division one arm division one shortstop um Pyop had multiple Division One um, commits um, and continue to to this day. But I just think the depth, um, the crisp, the crispness, I guess, of the of the game, really, really clean compared to high school. Not a lot of errors, not a lot of walks. Um, 
It's just you're getting the best of the best in high school. Every team's best player goes to every high school team's best player, and you put them all on one team. Um, and so that's kind of, I guess, the, the the way you can look at it is it's just the best player on every high school team, and you put it on one college team. Um, and so the adjustment the adjustment was tough. I think the adjustment's more – I don't think it's baseball, uh, to be completely honest, now that I, I look back on it. Um, it's more of just self-identity and who you are um, because it's kind of a rude awakening. It's the first time out of, out of the nest, uh, you know, mom and dad don't take care of you no more. I mean, they do, but they don't. Um, you know, you're, you're really on your own and you have to figure out how you're going to get, you know, schedule stuff. You got to figure out how, when you have a bad day at the yard, how to regroup, how to reorganize yourself, how to make sure that the rest of your day doesn't, um, get just messed up because, you know, your day at the yard was bad. Um, so I, I mean, the baseball, yes, it gets better. Um, yes, it's faster pace, but that really, it, it really wasn't a baseball adjustment for me. It was a, self-identity, confidence in knowing that there's a reason they recruited you. There's a reason that you're here. There's a reason, like, you prove that you can do this. Uh, um, and I think a lot of players have that problem. But, I mean, it's it's a fair, um, you know, kind of identity crisis or self-confidence thing. And, and, and so I think that's the biggest thing for me was just understanding that, you know, I, I was good enough um, and then I was, I was able to play at this level. Um, and it obviously ended up showing once I got, you know, going and, and, and playing, you know, games and whatnot. So, yeah, definitely. So uh, what are some of your earliest baseball memories? And at what age did you fall in love with the sport of baseball? Man, I don't remember a baseball fall in love, but I always was a sports guy. Um, I don't know, my mom, like, they never got me like toys. Like the only toys they got me were like basketballs or footballs or like a wiffle ball bat or, you know, like growing up when I was really little. Um, and so it, it was, it was kind of, it, I don't remember a vivid, like I'm a baseball player. I love baseball, but I, I just remember always, I always liked balls. Like I always liked as weird as that sounds, but I always liked any kind of ball. It didn't matter. I'd kick it, I'd throw it, I'd shoot it, I'd, you know, hit it. I, it did, it, it really didn't matter. Um, I guess just a fun story for, um, we kind of joke about it, but my parents used to live in Tacoma, Washington, um, kind of North Tacoma area. And, um, our backyard wasn't small, but it wasn't big. And we always joke about my mom always jokes about like, I needed more room to play and, and whatnot because I'd always hit the, so we needed, we needed to move cause, um, I'd hit the wiffle ball over their fence. So we always chased the wiffle ball over the fence into the neighbor's yard. And so that was kind of, she kind of joked about that. Well, we had to move because he kept hitting the wiffle ball over. So that was kind of a fun story or funny story. But um, yeah, I don't remember a certain time. I just know that I always loved sports no matter what it was. Awesome. Yeah. Um, so what was your MLB draft process like? I know everyone, especially when it comes to baseball players, always has like an interesting draft story because the draft is so damn long and like, there's like so many rounds. And so usually yeah. dudes will just get a call and they're fishing or something like that. So what was yours? I mean, you didn't have to wait too long. You're second round pick. So kind of what was your draft story like and how'd that all go down? Yeah, it, it wasn't, it wasn't as, I mean, I didn't have a, I knew. So going into my junior year, I knew I was going to be, I knew I was going to get drafted. I knew I was going to be like a top, 10, 15 round pick. So I knew I was going to be in the front half of the draft just solely 
Um, just knowing how the draft works, I, I knew defensively I, I was one of the better in the country and um, had proven that. And I played for multiple years because he's going to play maybe a three-year starter. Um, so I knew I was going to be. And then, I obviously, my agent, Dan Raschetti, um, he's with Beverly Hills Sports Council now. Um, was with a different agency, but he's a rock star. Um, I got him, um, was using him as an advisor going through the process all through my junior year. And um, it, it just was really, he was really, he was really awesome with just allowing me to play baseball and just worry about that. And he dealt with everything else. Obviously he kept me in the loop what was going on, but um, he did a really, really good job. Um, so on draft day, I knew once I had a really, once the front half of the, the junior season was, I, I hit the ball really well, which is kind of a missing piece. Um, I knew I was going to be a pretty high round pick and just through the grapevine and Dan, uh, my advisor talking to um, GM's front office guys, whatnot, scouts. Uh, I was, I, I had a range, which is kind of how the draft works. I had guys talking about picking me anywhere from the, the, the first round, late first round, all the way to like the eighth, ninth ish, 10th round. Um, so I knew there was a possibility really early. I knew there was a possibility a little bit later. Um, and so it was just a really like low key, I had family over and just was hoping for the best and, and really wasn't stressing too hard about it. Just wanted the opportunity. Um, and so it, it was just super low key. We had family over. There was nothing special. It was kind of a little bit of a shock because I just, you, you knew you had chatters about being a top round pick, but you didn't really, you know, I was kind of thinking more like the third to fifth ish in my head, I guess. Um, now that I think about it and, Luckily enough, it, it worked out and we were kind of all just shocked a little bit and got the call and was like, wow, that's, yeah, that's awesome. Right on. And, um, you know, celebrate with the family. Yeah, that's awesome. Cleveland Indians were the team that picked you up. So that's awesome. Um, so you played as high as double A ball. And I've, I've seen you play in person. I, I live in Erie. It's an Erie based podcast. So I've seen you play in person. We actually probably met, believe it or not, because I was, <laughs> I would have been the bat boy a lot. I've been there since like 2015. So yeah. honestly, I was in the clubhouse. I was a bat boy a few times. Thing, I did a bunch of jobs there. I still work there. But so we've probably met, believe it or not. And now look, we're just chilling on a podcast. So it's cool. But yeah. <laughs> you played as high as double A ball in your career, but before hanging up the cleats in 2020. Um, so how hard of a decision was that to like, you know, just decide to, to hang them up and then pursue other avenues? Yeah, I mean, it was I'm not going to lie. It was hard. I mean, I thought about it for months, weeks. Um, the ultimate factor to me was I base, I, I couldn't give up the love of baseball because I, I couldn't lose the love for baseball because of the lifestyle, the business. Um, and, and I guess what, what, the sport in professional sports um, prohibits you from doing from a family standpoint. And so um, I was really, I, I, I love baseball. I'm like looking back on it. People ask me all the time. Do you regret? Like, do you, do you miss baseball? I'm like, do I miss baseball? The game? Yes. Do I miss being a professional baseball player and everything that comes with that? No, um, not what it, um, I, I acknowledge it was super, super hard, um, but 
I think I was doing myself a disservice and the people around me and the organization a disservice if I wasn't fully invested in what I was doing um, and, and was enjoying it to the full extent that I was enjoying it, you know, back when I was playing select ball, when I was playing college ball, when I was playing even in the beginning of my leagues, it wasn't this way for, for the whole time. I mean, I loved it in the beginning. It was, it was, it was a challenge. It was a grind, um, you know, meeting new people, having new opportunities, you know, the thrill of trying to get or, or getting promoted, um, the thrill of moving up levels. I mean, it, it was great, but then it just starts to wear on you. It started to wear on me and it, and it became, it no longer was a game. It no longer was fun for me. It was more of a task. It was more of a, a job. And I, I get it. Some people think it is a job, but I just feel like there's a reason they call it a baseball game. Um, it's not a baseball job. Granted, it is your job, but if you if you take it as a job, it makes a lot a lot of things just miserable when they're not going well. Um, and that was just me. So um, I, I regret it zero bit. I, I'm really really happy with my decision. I'm a lot happier. I I give back the game of baseball. I love baseball still. Um, and so it's just been it's it was something that it was something that needed to happen, and, and I'm glad I did it. Yeah, for sure. And I think that's what a lot of people don't understand about like, you know, like the process of getting to the show, you know, it's not easy. Um, you know what I mean? And it is, it's a grind. And I've, I've specifically talked to players who have told me the same thing in person. And, you know, I've just met so many other people throughout my time working in minor league baseball and it is not easy, man. And I've like, especially if you like work in the clubhouse, you know, you get to see like behind the scenes reactions. And it's like people struggle sometimes, man. Like that shit's not easy, bro. People just assume it's like you're just playing baseball. But like there's people there's employees that are getting paid more most of the time. You know, not every guy is, is a high draft pick, you know, so dudes are really struggling to make ends meet. And then they're expected to perform on top of that. It's just there's a lot of things that that are a grind in minor league baseball that a lot of people don't understand. So I'm kind of happy you'd shine some light on that um, for sure. But with that being said, can you kind of take us into what a typical day in the life of a professional baseball player looks like? Yeah. So pretty much all games are in the evening. You play, um, you play six out of seven days of the week. So you get usually one day off and it's a, of course, usually a Monday. Um, so there's nothing great going on on Mondays. Um, <laughs> So you play um, six out of seven days of the week, more times than not. Um, you usually run, they try to run it. So it's like six game homestands and then six games on the road. If you're going to travel a, de a, a decent distance. Um, so the, the six games you'll play like a, a, a day in the life. So usually you're home for a little bit, which is great. Um, you can kind of settle in, you can get your apartment all deal. Your, your clothes can get out. You know, you don't, you're not living out of a suitcase. Um, but all games are in the evening, except on like you usually getaway days or, or a Sunday, which is usually a getaway day. Um, so a typical evening start time, a seven Oh five start time would be something along the lines of, we have to take into account we played the evening before at seven, so you're you're, you're done at seven, um, or you start at seven, you're done at ten ish. Um, you're gonna get in the clubhouse, you're gonna celebrate. Hopefully, if you won, so that's gonna be a 10, 15 minutes. Everyone's gonna you know bum around. Everyone's gonna kind of be happy and whatnot. Manager's then. So let's say we're at ten twenty or so. You're gonna take your shower. You're gonna get cleaned up. You're gonna get your food. So by the time you basically get out of the locker room, we're talking if you're fast. Um, you're like a 1045er. 
something like that. You're about at 1045, maybe 11 o'clock. If you're slow, you're past 11 o'clock. So depending on what team, I, I don't know what every organization's like, but let's just say for like double A, I lived across the street in Akron. Um, so it was a super short walk. We could walk there. It took two minutes to walk to our apartment, which was great. Some other players don't in, in organizations don't have that luxury. So let's say it's another 15 minute ride home. Let's just say for just round number sake, 1130, you got home the night before and you're still wired from the game. So you're probably not going to bed till pretty late. Let's just, I'm, I'm laying it out pretty, pretty easily, but um, let's just put it, you're going to bed late because your adrenaline's still going, your excitement's still going. The game really only ended a couple of, like, a, like an hour and a half ago. Uh, um, so let's say you go to bed late. Now I'm not waking up because I'm recovering, so I'm not going to wake up till probably get your, let's just say on an early wake-up guy. Most guys sleep a long time, but I would be up at like, let's call it like 8 or 9. Some guys are like 10 or 11. So you're not getting up till then. You eat your breakfast or whatever, um, and then you should go up to the field. I was like a – shoot, I got to the park depending on the day. If it was a 7 o'clock start, I would probably be there at like one thirty or so um to start milling around and start moving around um sometimes you have um a lift you got to get done before the game um so if that was the case i would say probably 130 or so i'd, I'd start strolling in there um and then it's 130 to 7 um you show up at 130 you would come in if i have a lift you go do your lift you come back you kind of clean up then you have your your early work your early work is for catchers is usually just you go do some blocking or you do some receiving off the machine if you don't have any of that you maybe go do your early cage work you go from early cage work you come back into the locker room you go from the locker room back out to the field you take your arm field batting practice on field batting practice do your your teamwork which was um you know like some like pfps fun plays pick plays um you do some sort of infield infield work outfielders would go do their thing then you hit your bp then you come back in then you'd have basically two hours hour uh, you have about an hour hour and 15 or so hour and a half until the game first pitch um, obviously being a catcher you got to go out before then um, and then you get a hit right before the game again you have a time slot of about 20 minutes or so right before the game to hit um, yep. and then you play the game and, and do that all over again yeah it's it's a <laughs> it's a grind and the best is whenever you go from a 7 7 p.m on like a you know you like you have your schedule on like a 7 p.m and then those sunday days come around and you got to be there even earlier, it's it's, it's the yeah. absolute best, you know, because then first pitch is usually at like yeah. one, one thirty. The best, the best. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, what is a piece of adversity that you've had to overcome, whether it's in your life or whether it's in your baseball career, um, and how did you overcome it? Man, um, I don't know if I overcame it, but the minor leagues was a freaking a battle of its own. Um, I think I, I think. I let the expectations of maybe not of what other people wanted for me, but also myself combination of being a second round pick, being a high pick. They had all the intention in the world for me to be their big league catcher at some point. Um, maybe my timeline was different than what their timeline was. I don't know. Maybe I didn't perform as well. I mean, I didn't perform as well. Let's just put it that way. I didn't perform as well from the offensive side that I think they were hoping for. Um, and as well as I was hoping for. Um, and so I think just expectations for myself and for the organization on me, um, it was kind of a rude awakening. It, it was really frustrating for me because I, I didn't 
I guess I didn't handle, I didn't handle that adversity as well as I could have or should have. I think there was times I did a really good job of it. Um, early on in my career, I think I did a really good job of it and it showed because I, I moved up the ladder pretty quickly. Um, and then I started to kind of get into that range of double A, which realistically double triple A, it, it takes a little bit unless you're a, a, kind of a freak um, and have really, 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 I mean, you've just always done something really well. Like you just always hit. I can't hear you. <laughs> there we go. I think you're back. Good. You're you back. He's back, everybody. <laughs> Why can't I hear you? Oh, you can't hear me? Can you hear me? Technical difficulties here. <laughs> can you hear me? Can you hear me? I, can I hear can't you. hear you, though. Oh, uh, I can hear you, but you can't hear me. I can read your lips, you but I can't hear you. <laughs> <laughs> I <got it. laughs> no, I can't. I can't hear you. I don't know what happened. You hear me now? <laughs> How about now? Can you hear me? Can you hear me now? You hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Can you hear me? No, I just can't hear you. That's weird. Hmm. <laughs> Interesting. Well, I guess that will just have to wrap up the show, unfortunately, then. Um, unfortunately, we're having some sort of technical difficulty. So, ladies and gentlemen, Logan Ice, everybody. Um, unfortunately, it's a, it's a weird ending, but it's okay. Thank you all so much, and have a great day.